Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. What a tune. I've had Mace in my head for the last couple of hours, so I figure why not bring that energy to this particular podcast. What's happening, guys? Um, It's been a crazy week. There's lots going on, lots of expansion, in particular with all this Lululemon-inspired fitness and health and wellness that I've been involved in, I've decided to create a group. The group within the Charlotte area is more of a community. This community is based purely around like-minded individuals who are ready to get up, inspired to take action and really chase their health and wellness goals. This club is going to be called CLT Freeletics. All it is, is a curation of people wanting the freedom of exercising in their own capacity, outdoors, at their own disposal, and with people who want to grind just like them. Let's create that community. So CLT Freeletics has begun. And if you want to be involved, shoot me a message, a DM on any of the social media platforms, and I will get you plugged in. I'll get you out and involved in the community with other fitness enthusiasts who are looking to up their level of expectation in both health and wellness and personal development with CLT Freeletics. Now, let's join that very smoothly into this week's guest. This week I have for you Deborah Fountain. Deborah is the owner and CEO of Lifer Fitness in Connecticut. She is a lifer that people love to be around her energy when it comes to fitness, and she is going to explain to us just what that means to be a lifer in fitness and health and wellness. So, without any more delay, let's dive right into Deborah's story and welcome her onto Creating Space. Deborah Fountain, what's happening? Hey, Wes, what's up? Listen, I'm so excited to have you on the show because your business model is all about impact. It's all about bringing people in for the cause of fitness and having such a great experience that these people are dedicated lifers to the fitness, the health and wellness project. You are a lifer in your own, but what are you pumped about in your life? What are you juiced about right now in your life today? Right now, this morning, I woke up, Wes, and I have no pain to me. That's, I mean, everything flows after that. <laughs> so, I, and I teach quite a bit. So, to to be physically fit and not have any physical pain is a blessing to me. So, I'm always juiced about just my body doing exactly what I ask it to do. I'm also grateful. I have a beautiful family and I get to work today. I get to do what I love to do. I get to teach a class this morning. So that's what I'm juiced about. It's an awesome aspect of your life to wake up and know that you're going to go and start your day with movement. What's your first class today? My first class, it's a combination of cycle bar. It's a 30 minute cycle class, pretty intense. And then we get off the bike and we do what is called bar. I don't know if you've heard of bar, B-A-R-R-E, but we stay in the cycle room and we squat and we lunge and we plie and releve and then we lift some weights. So it's a great class to get everything in. You get cardio and then you get your resistance training all in one hour and people really 
tend to like to get everything done in one hour. Yeah. If you can fit as much as possible into your routine, into that hour, I feel like people will always be motivated to come back. They know that it's a one-stop shop for what they need for the day. What's the favorite part about your whole culture within Life for Fitness? What's something that along with the juice, what gets you juiced about walking into your fitness gym? Uh, I call it the magic. And uh, to explain what that is, it's, it's just when people come together for one reason, something magical happens. And uh, people, I'm very fortunate in my business, people come to my studio because they want to be there. <laughs> I know there are a lot of jobs and um, you know people don't want to be there and they're grumbling, but very fortunate that people that walk through the doors at Lifer really want to be there and they look to me to take them to another place. And to me, that's where the magic happens. And I, I welcome that challenge. Something happens when I get on that bike and I'm in front of everybody. And I, I usually can tap into something into everybody that that they're coming there for that reason. And I feel like I can I can get there. I can take them to where they want to go and beyond. So that's, that's the what, true aspect of a leader, isn't it? Someone who can be aware of the energy of the followers or whoever their group is at the moment and be mindful enough to bring them along on the journey and make sure they get to the destination safely. Would you agree? I totally agree. I, I, I think that's what I get juiced about too. That's a great juice to have, is it not? <laughs> it is. It is absolutely a great juice to have because uh, it just happens every, I, there's never a day that I don't want to go and do this. I'm excited every single class and I've been teaching almost uh, over 15 years. So and I, there's never been a day where I dread it to teach a class. So, so you would um, probably consider yourself a lifer. Absolutely a life. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me this, Deborah. Where does the name come from? I'm interested in the name. Oh, wow. That name. Uh, let's see. When I, uh, I was a personal trainer first before I did group fitness and before I opened my own studio. And I had clients and uh, who would never leave. I mean, they would. I would get them to their goal. You know, they'd have a goal. They want to lose so much weight. They want to lose so many inches. They want to put on so much muscle. And we were, this was measurable. I could get them to their goals. And then I'd say, okay, well, you've lost the weight and you, you're good. You can go. And they would look at me like, go where? <laughs> I don't, I, you know, I, I need you. I, this, you take care of that part of my life. And, and they, they coined the phrase themselves, like, we're lifers, you know? And I'm like, so I started, you know, I would tease my clients when they got to their goal. I'm like, all right, what do you want to do next? You know, you, and they would like, I don't know, I need you. And I'm like, you're a lifer. Oh, yeah, I'm a lifer. And they were quite proud of that. So when it was time to name my studio, I'm like, I want a name that has a meaning that I don't have to explain it, really. And uh, people will just know. And it's a group that you want to be a part of. It's an individual. And it's also a group. Lifers are individual. And then they're also part of a group. And most people want to be part of that lifer group. And it's not a, it's a non-judgmental group. It's a lifetime of fitness, basically. So that's, that's an impressive where- story, but I have a feeling we've only scratched the surface. Let's oh, go a yeah. little bit deeper, Deborah. Have you always been a lifer? Has health and wellness and fitness always been your thing? You know, it's funny that you say that. Uh, no, I didn't play any high school sports. I'm, I'm not an athlete. I'm really late to the party. Uh, I was a stay-at-home mom, and I started working out because I felt like I was out of the game. I was, um, all my friends were still working. I, I was fairly young when I got married, so to be a stay-at-home mom, 
It's like no one was staying home with their kids. I had no friends. So I started working out and I loved it. Something, again, I got juiced, but it was, I was alone. I was working out. I got in really, really good shape. And I said, there's something, there's something going on here, you know, and, and I just kind of follow that. And um, I, I know we talked a little bit yesterday about books and I'm probably skipping ahead, but Joseph Campbell wrote a book about the pathways to bliss and really to pay attention to your bliss. That's very, very, very important. And uh, I was blissful when I was working out and uh, I discounted it as endorphins. You know, a lot of people like to work out, but it was, it was a little different for me because that's what I looked forward to every single day. And I was excited about it. And so it kind of started early twenties. I mean, again, I'm late to the party with this fitness, but um, that's where the fitness, I got bit by the bug and you connect the dots. Uh, I remember taking my first kickboxing class and it was not just enough to take the class. I said, I got to teach this. And the same thing happened with cycle. It was not enough just to take the class. Something happens where I'm like, I have to teach this. And so that's where my bliss is. And you know, now on my own studio. So there's something to be said about following your bliss. So following your bliss and following your intuition. Sounds like yes. they were vo- both very well connected and you were aware of them. Were you always aware though? <laughs> Was there a moment in your life where you're thinking, ah, it, so- it sounded like to me when you were the stay-at-home mom, you were having a bit of a struggle with your new identity maybe as a stay-at-home yeah. mom. What were you doing before becoming a stay-at-home mom? Um, I was a sales rep for a company, and I'm not going to say the name of the company, but I sold a lot of macaroni and cheese. And <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know what? I have a story called the Tom story. It's really quick. When I got hired for this company, I went out for um, training. I went out with a top sales rep in my uh, division, and his name was Tom. And um, one of the incentives for to sell more of this uh, macaroni and cheese was whoever sold the most in this group of sales reps. It was probably about 20 of us got an all expense paid trip to Hawaii. And I, and I thought, Oh, I'm, I'm definitely going to win this because I'm a hard worker. My mom, six kids, she's a single mom. She's always worked two jobs and I've worked since I was 14. I'm like, I got this. And I was newly engaged. And so I'm like, Oh, that's going to be our honeymoon. I'm going to win this trip to Hawaii because all it takes is really hard work and I'm going to win. So I went out with Tom and by the end of the day with him, I said, I am not going to Hawaii. I'm not going to win this contest because Tom loved his job. He was passionate about his job. Tom was the kind of guy that would sleep in his car the night before to meet the delivery trucks to build a display. Well, I don't do that. And I said, you know what? Tom is going to win this contest because I don't love this enough to sleep in my car. Um, But what I took away from that is there's something in this life. (laughs) There's something in my life. I have some gift that would make me, and it's not, I'm just using that as a metaphor to sleep in my car, but there's something out there that would make me sleep in my car that I will love it so much and passionate about it so much that I would do it. And you know, the funny thing is Tom was embarrassed that he won every year. He, He told me everything he did. He wanted somebody else to win. Um, but I'm like, you know what? You love what you do. When you find something you love to do, you, you find out that you go the extra mile. You do things that, that are like above and beyond that, you know, and I kind of find that now when I'm putting my playlist together for my cycle, I could spend two hours putting together songs and the time flies by and I'm so excited 
about my music for my class the next day. And I'm like, that's my Tom. So I hope I answered your question. I always go back to that Tom story. Like everybody has a story. Everybody has something that they get lost in. They do. And don't discount it. You know, for me, it was working out. I could have easily said, ah, I can't be working out. Everybody gets pumped to work out. But it's something else, you know, it was something a little bit different for me. Um, and I, I just didn't ignore that. And I'm glad I didn't because now I own this studio and I'm, I'm very, very proud of it. I'm a big story guy. You created that story so vivid for me in my mind. And I'm sure my listeners could see it as well. That is awesome <laughs> to hear. But that process of finding what you love is a tough process, right? There's it, a lot of it, work involved in that. What type absolutely. of work did you have to do to begin to align yourself with your passion? You know what? I have to say that I, I am a meditator and I believe that that helps because I, when you meditate, to me, you open up and you, you receive on a different level. You don't, I think before meditation, which was probably in college because I've been meditating a long time. I, uh, you just, you start to weed, you don't weed anything out. Everything gets in. But for me, meditation, I just go to this place where you just allow things to come and you don't toss them to the side. Like I could have very easily said working out, I can't make any money working out and throw it away. But I just kept, because I had been meditating and listening, listening on another level to me, I was able to, receive it and not just throw it away. Just say, you know, this keeps coming back to me. I'm, I'm going to sit with this a little bit and I'm not going to just throw it away. So I think meditation, I'm not going to say it's every time I sit down, I go to this level. No, sometimes I sit down and I'm thinking about my day. I'm thinking about, and I just get up and like, well, I'm just wasting time. But I think you just got to be stubborn about it. And I, I have to say that I believe that meditation is the reason why I was able to hear myself or hear that calling. And the, to me, that's, that's the quickest way to figure out what it is that you, because it, it's always little signs. And if you, if you pay it, meditation quiets you enough to hear those, those things. I'm a hundred miles an hour. I've always been my entire life. I feel that in order for me, this may be a paradigm that I need to get over that you can help me with. And I bet some listeners are sharing the same feeling as I am. I want to meditate. I really do. I see that physiologically it has its effects. Science backs it now. But I am, when I wake up 100 miles an hour, pedal to the metal. And for me, slowing down seems counterproductive. So mm -hmm. tell me about meditation, how I can access it on a higher level to make me view it in a way that will allow me to slow down and open up. And as you said, receive, uh, you know, it's just so much for me. It was, so, I'm not, well, I'm not one to reinvent the wheel. I mean, it was just so much information out there about how important it was that I'm like, I'm going to be that stubborn kid that just sits down every day and does it. And I just thought the universe is going to say one day, okay, okay. Already. There you go, because you're gonna. I'm gonna show up every day. I'm gonna sit there. But Deepak Chopra is the reason why I started actually meditating, and I like the way he started me meditating. It was nature. Instead of sitting down with my eyes closed, I actually keep my eyes open. Uh, I usually look at a tree. Nature for me takes me there, and I just breathe, 
And I look, it might sound funny, but I have these trees. There's trees everywhere, so you can meditate everywhere. But I, I started with just looking at a tree and just deep breathing and just, and then I just really one day, you just got to do it every day. One day, it was just the most euphoric feeling. If you get that feeling one time, Wes, you'll do it every day for the rest of your life because you're, you're chasing that feeling. You want that feeling so bad. And so once you get to that place, and um, again, it's not every day, but most of the time I get there, I owe it to myself. I cannot be my absolute best self on this planet if I don't do that. I have to. It's like exercising for me. And so I'm stubborn in that way that I'm a lifer. I mean, if that's going to make my life better, I'm going to discipline myself enough to do it. It really is. When people say practice, it is practice. <laughs> it's just like working a bu your biceps. You know, if you don't work it every two or three days, it's going away. So it's as important as my bicep. It's important as my fitness. So I think if you, and it, I, I get it. I know everybody's not a meditative person. And I, no, I think everybody is. I think the method is different. We get locked into thinking that we got to close our eyes and we got to cross our legs and we got to put our palms up and we got to chant. That may not be your meditation. I think yesterday we were talking. I think you do meditate, Wes. You said you were riding your bike and you were talking to God. I bet that's your meditation. I think now that I realize and I reflect back on my day, I think that you're right. I do have maybe some unorthodox or under-discovered ways of meditation or untalked about ways of meditation. But right. when you talk about moving meditation, when I'm on my bike or on a run and I'm locked in and engaged to the moment at that present moment, that can be considered as meditation, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. As we continue to use that meditation, and I don't want to, to be too corny, but now the meditation is guiding you, right? So the, the guided meditation of finding your passion and aligning you with what the universe has found for you, and now you've gotten it. Now you're inside the house as a stay-at-home mom, and you've now got this aha moment where, okay, I want to do kickboxing. I want to teach classes. Walk me through what happens next. I just basically said, all right, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? I'm a stay-at-home mom. I do not want to go back into the corporate world. I want to raise my children. That's what I want to do. How can I follow my bliss and raise my children? So I put those, brought those two together, and personal training out of my home is what I came up with. Because I loved the muscle part took me to another place. I just I changed my whole body from just lifting weights and I was lifting heavy weights. And up until then, you know, I'm, I'm from that era. I'm giving my age away where it's like, if you got two soup cans in your cabinet, go get these cans and let's, we're going to bicep curl with these cans and aerobics. I'm like, you can't put any muscle on with two cans. You need to grab some heavy weights, some 15 to 20 pound dumbbells. That's how you change your body. And I did, I changed my body like, and it was quite by accident. I'm like, I started working out in the fall with heavy weights. When I say heavy, I mean 15, 20, 25, 75-pound bench press. That was heavy for me. And by the spring, I could not fit any of my summer clothes from the year before. And I put them on. I'm like, who? where, where did this body come from? <laughs> I was so psyched. And uh, I'm like, this is what I got to do. Because I don't think enough women know that when you lift, 
you I'm not talking five pounds and eight pounds and three pounds. You got to lift 20, 25. You got to go to muscle failure. And I don't think enough of us regular people, I know bodybuilders knew about muscle failure, but I didn't think enough regular moms or women knew about muscle failure because we don't want to fail. We want, if it's 20 reps you want, I want to give you 20 reps. I don't want to give you 17 and a half. So rather than give you 17 and a half, I'm going to grab these five pound weights so I can finish. And that mindset of going to the place where you cannot lift one more rep is really where the magic happens, is really where you transform your body. So I wanted to do that for women. And so I started personal training in my house and I was doing that for women. And uh, we were uh, living in Washington, D.C., and I had over 60 clients. It got out of hand because everybody. Wait, 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 wait. 60 clients out of the oh, basement 60. of your house? Yes. Wow. And I, it was a full-time job. I would cook my kids dinner upstairs. Well, I was training in the morning. I had a 6 a.m. every day, Monday through Saturday. I only took Sunday off, but I could have worked all day Sunday. But um, so six o'clock in the morning was a coveted time, six and seven and eight. Then I had a few nines, these salespeople, other stay-at-home moms. And then from five until nine o'clock, I was on Monday. And then Saturday, I was from 6 a.m. to like 4 p.m. And they would pass each other going up and down my stairs. And you know what? It wasn't that I started out to have this many clients. I would tell the story of what muscle can do for your body in the consultation. And I would, I would close the deal. They would say, all right, when do I start? They'd be so psyched. And, I, and so <laughs> after you, you talk to someone and they, they're ready, I would just open up my book. And I'm like, where can I fit this person in? And I would just fit them in. And before I know it, I had no free time. It had gotten it was out of control, <laughs> but I loved it. And I was changing bodies and I was doing what I love to do. And so that's how I think I answered your question in that. Um, that's how it started. And I did that for, did that in DC for many years. And then we moved to Connecticut and I did it again. But this time I set boundaries. I said, I am not going to work all day Saturday and all day, uh, not all day from 6am until nine o'clock at night. So I was actually, it was great that I moved because I was able to, there was no way I could have turned my clients away. So I had to start over. My husband's job transferred us to Connecticut and I started over and we had no family, no friends. I just, this time I was working smart and uh, I, I stopped, I capped it off at about 23 clients, which was still pretty busy for me. I, I really can appreciate that. And this is why when I was in Vancouver and I was injured and going through real rehabilitation process and, you know, unattached to any club, I didn't have money and I needed to make money and make money fast. So mm -hmm. the way I did that was I opened up doing personals with the kids, the youth players in Vancouver. And I was doing individual sessions with these kids at this small turf spot beside the other turf field that was mm -hmm. free. You didn't have to pay a rental fee. And I started with one girl and one girl turned to two and right. two girls turned to six kids. And then within three or four months, I had 25 kids right. rotated in and I didn't even know how it had even begun. So I can understand and appreciate how when you get that momentum, it's really hard to stop because everyone is wanting a piece of what you have, right? You don't want to let anyone right. down. 
Right. So tell me this. Now you've gotten your apprenticeship out of the way. You've already done and dusted the learning aspect of, of what it took. Now you got to create a business out of this, right? You can no longer do this out of your house. Now it's time to scale it. You got to scale this small business model that you've got. Walk me through what it was like for you being on the edge of that fence of fear where you're thinking, man, if I, if I, I know I want to do this, but this, takes it to a whole nother level. Well, I mean, yeah, when you're doing it in your basement, you're doing it out of your home, you don't have any overhead, you know, it's safe, it's cushy. And you know what? You're happy. You're so happy and you don't have to think about payroll and LLC. At least I didn't. I was just doing my little hustle that turned into a business. Uh, so I, to get out of the house, cause I was in my house training one-on-one I think you're also part of a little therapist. Um, so I needed to just kind of be around my own peers. So, uh, so I started teaching in gyms, group fitness, just to get out of the house. That's all. Um, not for the money. Cause I made way more money as a personal trainer than I did as a group fitness instructor. But what I discovered was I could, what I did to people one-on-one, I did to the same group of people 25, 30, 50 people did the same thing to a large group. And I enjoyed it actually more than I did the one-on-one personal training. So I kind of shifted a little bit from the one-on-one thinking, I love group fitness. Um, it, it was a not an ego thing, but people would, I, I remember in DC teaching kickboxing and I taught downtown and people would, I would see people passing me in their car, my, trying to get to my class, like rushing to take my class. And uh, that's a great feeling when people are rushing to get to you. Or I would get, or even here, I taught a psycho class and the room held 40 bikes and I would fill it up in like no time. People would come the night before, put their shoes, put their towels to save their bikes from my class. <laughs> that is yeah. awesome. That it's is so crazy. Cool. And I would, I would be teaching and people would be standing outside the glass of my window with sad faces. I'm like, what is this? And I can't say that it's all me. I think it's a collective group of energy and you just want to be in that room. And I said, this is what I really want to do. So when it was time to, um, well, I fast forward to, I was having a big birthday and I just said to the universe, okay, it's time for me to make a move. No, the universe said to me, it's time for you to make a move. You're teaching these classes. You're living way below and I like Joe Olstein says your spiritual privilege. Uh, there's something else for you to do. You you're too comfortable. You got to get uncomfortable. You you're not stretching your faith. You're not growing. Yes, you love what you do, but there is more to do. And I got to tell you that scared me. Don't don't think I was excited about that. I, it scared me because it meant I have to move from this nice cushy spot. And when you move and you grow, there is challenges. There is suffering. There is, you know, some type of growing pains you're going to have to go through. And I was like, am I ready for this pain? <laughs> so, but again, I didn't give the universe any specifics. I just said, whatever it is that you would have me do next. So let's sit right there in that word pain and mm-hmm. that struggle. What was the hardest thing you had to go through during that time of stretch when the universe was opening you up and pushing you to another level? There had to be something there that really oh, pushed you and shifted you. You know what, Wes, yesterday when we talked, I totally, I 
omitted something very, very, I didn't omit it. It just didn't come up. And I thought, wow, I'm telling this story because I've told this story many times without this one painful experience. So two things have happened. One, I don't feel like a victim. And two, I have put it, I have shifted my perspective about this story. So let me tell you the story. So, so this is April. I'm asking the universe, tell me what you want me to do. And then I meet my ex-business partner in May. And uh, she, she goes into a store, a retail store and says, who is the, and it was an athletic retail store. I need to know the baddest cyclist in this town. Who is like the most incredible cycle instructor? And the people in the store know me very well because uh, they take my class. They said, oh, Deborah Fountain. She is like the best cycle instructor here. We love her. And she said, give her my email because I want to open a cycle studio here in West Hartford because there isn't one. So I'm taking my class. These women come in and they say, we had this woman come in our class and they she wants to open a cycle studio. She has all the money. She just wants uh, to, a partner. I'm like. Wow, the universe is so fast. This is I, just falling right into your lap. So it's yeah, too good I'm to like, be true oh almost, huh? Gosh. Right. I'm like, wow, the universe is fast. This must be it. This must be that next thing. Because I have one request to the universe. I just said, please, whatever I'm to do next, can at least include more of what I'm already doing. Because I love what I'm doing. I don't want a total shift in my life. I just need it to go. Sometimes you don't have to go different. You go up. <laughs> I'm like, it's like a skyscraper. Um, instead of going to another field, maybe I just needed to go to another level of what I was already doing. And cycling, owning your own cycle studio, I believe that that's going up. <laughs> that was my next level. So it was like perfect. So we hooked up, we got together, we met in a Starbucks, we wrote on a napkin. Today, it was May 17th, I wrote Dreams Come True. She wrote her name and we started looking at real estate right away. And we fast forward, we found a spot, Cycle Studio. I ended up actually knowing our landlord. He knew my husband very well. He sweetened the deal. He sweetened the pie because he knew us. And I started telling everybody, everybody that I was opening a Cycle Studio. All my Facebook friends, over 900, all, I mean, all of my gym, I quit my gym. I was there for 11 years. All of my, everybody, I have four kids from college to uh, elementary school. Everybody I know, I'm on the PTA. My kids play sports in, in the town. Everybody knew I was opening a cycle studio. Everybody was excited. We were business partners. We were, because she said, I want to open this studio. I said, the only way I'm going to be involved if I'm part owner. I'm not leaving my gym. I mean, I have a good life to work for you or to be a cycle instructor. I'm already a cycle instructor. The only way I'm going to do this is if we're partners 50-50. And she was, let's go, let's do this. So we we started, we did everything. Uh, LLC, order the bikes. You know, we did it as a partnership. And uh, because I had money coming in in January, when we met in May, I said, I got money coming in, but it's not coming in until January. She's like, well, let's, let's just start looking. So we found the place quick. We signed our names on the lease and... Two days before, just to fast forward, two days before we opened, um, my husband and I and she and her husband, we met in a restaurant. 
real close to the studio and they, they were looking quite somber and we we're like, we should be celebrating the studios opening in two, two days. And my classes, I could tell because of the software were full to capacity and we have 40 bikes. So they were already like my first three classes were already sold out. So I was excited. I could tell that people were going to be in my, and I was teaching the very first class of my brand new studio. And two days before she and her husband said, we don't want to be partners. Whoa. Their name was on everything. Whoa. Yes. Their this name was, was this was in the middle of the restaurant? This was in oh yeah. We were we because we, we were like, let's have a cocktail. We're excited. Let's have some wine. And they So just, so you jumped over the you jumped over the table, you grabbed oh, them by the neck, you what? threw them outside the, the I'm sure you threw them through the window. It was like a oh, superhero man. moment. Is that is that what happened? Well, you know what? No, but uh, I'm so proud of my husband because I was surprised he didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I can't. Uh, oh, imagine. let me tell you, that was, um, that was, I just, I looked her in the eye. I'm like, we had been working like partners. I, I worked like a, like I own the business. I was, that's how much effort I put into this business. And, um, I didn't, I didn't know if it was something they had planned from the beginning I just sat there and we were, my husband and I would just like, we just grabbed my hand and we left. And that was, that was the hardest. And you know, wait, this was a week before Christmas. I had done no Christmas shopping for my kids because I had been so consumed with building this business. So I just came home and climbed in the bed <laughs> with my clothes on and I cried all night long. I mean, I woke up. I'm like, was that a dream? Did that really happen? And then I was like, you know, it shocked me totally. My husband was furious. I don't think he slept either. Uh, There's a lot of emotion involved in that moment. And I'm sure you stuck in that moment for a while, right? But as you look <laughs> back on that time in your life, adversity is life's best teacher. Absolutely. Tell, tell me what that moment taught you. Well, it taught me this. You know what? I built a relationship with God. I you know I felt I'm a spiritual person. And I'm like, it's a shock to me, but it's not a shock to God. He allowed it. So I have to look at this thing from another way. I, he, he's not, I'm not being punished. There's something in here for me to learn. And let me tell you, it took me a while to get there. But I'm like, if, if, who am I now? Um, it does tell you, if you say you're courageous and you're strong, okay, look out because something in your life <laughs> is going to make you say, oh yeah, you're strong. Oh yeah, you're courageous. Because, um, it made me, I started to redefine myself or define myself. Who am I? And I said, I'm strong. Okay. Well, if you're strong, this is where you prove that you're strong. <laughs> Here you go. And, uh, I knew that there was a lesson, Wes. I knew I, I knew deep down inside there was something that I, I had to get, that it was something big. Something was being birthed. Yes, it was a lot of pain, a lot of disappointment, a lot of questioning my own judgment. Like, how did I let somebody like this get so close to me? I, you know, I'm loved. I'm loved. You know, my classes are packed to capacity. People love me. I, to, to, for somebody to get this close to me and hurt me you know, uh, what, what was, what's, this is, there's a lot of lessons in this. So I just started to, to, you know what, it was too much to consume at once. So piece by piece, I just 
just broke it down into small chunks. <laughs> you know, was this a deception from the beginning? You know, and I'm like, I don't know. I, I had to go back to my basic stuff. Like I know hurt people, people who are hurting, hurt other people. So I'm like, okay, she's hurting because if you're happy, you don't, and you're really content with yourself, you can't do, you cannot do this. This person has met my four children, been to my house for dinner and could do this. So I started saying, it's not me. It's not me. I love me and I'm, I'm, I'm smart and it has to be something wrong with them. And there has to be something God wants me to see. And I'm going to see this thing because this is not the way my story is going to end. So I, so I, I, I can't say it happened right away. Um, but I started to shift my pers- my perspective from being a victim, somebody actually taking something from me, taking and hurt me to this was to show me something else. Oh, That's- man, that is so good to shift your focus and show you something else, to shift your attention in the direction that life is creating space for, right? Um, exactly. That, that is your creating space moment. I love it. For me- yeah. In Vancouver, when I was down and depressed, I got a bike. A bike came into my life, and all of a sudden, I devoted myself to – well, I had to use the bike for transportation, but I fell in love with the process of riding the bike and having the music in my ears, and it became a habitual process where I could could literally take transit to get to this place, but I'm like, no way. This is something (laughs) that I love. It makes me feel good. So what are some personal habits that you used? to help get you out of that sticky spot and get your momentum shifted in the right direction where your new perspective was now focused? Well, I, I, I journal. So I, that helped to get my feelings out. I just started writing, you know, and I have to say, you know what, Wes, I always write. So I read, I went back and read some of the things I wrote while we were building this business. And just to, was there any signs <laughs> that I knew, you know, was there signs that I knew this was happening? And that helped. I, I There were signs. I remember writing one day, I don't know what it is, but when I'm with my ex-partner and her husband, I don't feel good. There's some bad energy inside. And after I would spend time, because we spent a lot of time together, uh, when it was just she and I, I was okay. But when it was she and her husband, I would come home and I would feel like, like like a bomb went off inside of me and I felt really uncomfortable and uneasy. And I read that one day and I'm like, that was a sign. Now, not that it was a, it was enough sign to say something's not right here, but it wasn't enough for me to stop the business deal because I thought I'm uncomfortable because I'm growing and I, I accepted that uncomfortable. So that was one of the tools. I reread some of the things I wrote while I was building a business with her. And I saw I, I felt I read some pain in my writing and any time before then I'm usually blissful, but I was, I was uncomfortable in this relationship and I allowed myself to be uncomfortable because I said, Oh, we're business partners. We're not friends. I'm okay with being, I, I haven't been in the working corporate world in 20 years. So maybe I'm, you know, I've been in my little bubble teaching fitness this is what corporate people feel. And I let myself feel uncomfortable and I will never, ever do that again. Never let myself feel uncomfortable. But so I journaling and meditating, I would just sit there in that, 
in that pain. And I didn't rush myself. Like I'm hurting. And I would just sit there and, and then, and just, it, it, it is what it is. It sucks. I'm going to sit here in it and I'm going to, I'm going to climb out of this. I know I am. So, um, it came to me that the dream, the seed that was planted in that April before I met her, that I wanted to, it's still there. It didn't die. As a matter of fact, I was more determined than ever to open my studio. And six months later, I opened Lifer. Six months. Mm. And the beautiful thing is I made so many nice connections opening Lifer. I mean, opening the business before that I just went back to my connections. They were all fresh. They knew me. And, and that's why I was up able to get up and, and get running And six months later. And I had built really good relationships. Everybody that I, I contacted those people and said, you know, I'm not doing that business. They were, what? What happened? And I'm like, I'm not going to get into it, but I'm opening my own studio. They all, what can I do? They jumped on board. They were. So I was very proud of the way I conducted business before. And those people were all ready to help me. And health and wellness, your juice, your passion always had your back. Always. Um, and it was very an, an authentic relationship between you and your craft. So tell me this, for the individuals who are listening to our show who may be hurting, they may be going through a tough time in their lives, or maybe not. Maybe they're interested in focusing a little bit more on an area of their life that they've been neglecting, which is health and wellness and fitness and, and even mindfulness. Give me a short sales pitch as to why people need to focus on this aspect of their lives. And if they don't, then it can leave them lost and looking for more in their life. Well, I, I think, uh, for one, fitness is not an option. And I don't want to preach, you know, because I know if you're feeling bad that you're not working out, then what I'm saying is probably going to make you feel worse. <laughs> but I, I know this to be your absolute truest self, you have to be physical. You, you have to be, now I'm not saying physically fit. You have to be moving because you cannot tell yourself you love yourself and you're not taking care of yourself. To me, fitness says I love myself enough to make the commitment to be, to take care of it. And, uh, it's like, you just can't really reach that highest, your highest self. And I'm like, I, I think, um, you you don't want to die without being your highest self. And I don't know I know you saying you rode your bike and you played sports. That's where you found your highest self. You were moving. Um meditation is great, but exercise, remember I told you, it was that working out, lifting those weights by myself <laughs> in my living room that I discovered this higher level or this my truer self. And it led me to where I am today. So I think just, I, I think we make life too complicated. There's so many books, there's so many self-help. Really just, it's just basic self-love. Just take care of yourself. Start moving, start walking, start riding a bike, start lifting some weights. You will be so incredibly surprised where that will take you. So that would be my thing. And, and do it in your living room, do it in your basement. Do something physical, and that will take you to the very next space. It'll create space, as you would say, <laughs> level. <laughs> to move your self-love, you have to move yourself, right? Ooh, uh, I like that. That, that. That's very, very good. That's what I can take from your story. As we round this out, Deborah, what a fantastic story. This is truly creating space embodied. Tell me this. 
What do you want your listeners to take as they walk away from your story? To never discount yourself. You're really good at something. Don't discount yourself. You're really good at something. And you don't have to be the smartest, the tallest, the fittest. But you're re- you, have, you have a unique gift and own it and look for it. Expect it to be there. That's another thing. I knew I had a Tom. I knew it. <laughs> know you have something. Do not believe that you were one, the one and only person on this planet that doesn't have a gift. You have a gift. Honor it. Look for it. Expect it to show up. It's probably already showing up. And trust you to take care of you. If you take care of your body, you can trust yourself to take care of yourself. Your I can is more important than your IQ. It is on the, uh, is on the, the wallpaper of my computer. I will never allow myself to believe that anyone who has a higher level of IQ than me can do anything more than me because my I can, I believe, is, is a part of my gift. Deborah, like- your story, oh, man, I got chill bumps thinking about some of the things <laughs> you've gone through, how you fought through the adversity, and how you have created a space for life or fitness, and people will follow you wherever you go. Thank you so much, Deborah, for coming onto the show. Tell me this, for the people who are interested in engaging with you, how can our listeners engage with you? Well, you can email me. Uh, I would love to answer any emails. I can talk all day, every day about Deborah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but my email is djfountain1 at gmail.com. Awesome. I'll put that. I'll put that in the show notes as well as your social media. It's Deb is fit. I know that on Instagram. Deb right? is fit is my Instagram, <laughs> and they uh, follow me on Facebook. Awesome. You have crushed it, Deborah. Thank you so much for coming. Thank on you, Wes. What an inspiring story Deborah has. It's so important that she has taken what she knows that is vital to her as a human being and found a way to create a job and a community and an impact that's involved entirely around that gift, that magic that she possesses. I think that is the purpose of life. And I'm so excited that I had the opportunity to chat with Deborah and get the opportunity to share her story. Now, I want to know what you think. Be sure to reach out to me. Tag me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Let me know what your thoughts are on Deborah's story. Involve Deborah into it as well. I'm sure she would love to hear your feedback. I would love to see what you think about life or fitness, the business model, and just about what making an impact in society means to you. It's been a fantastic week. Life is really opening up different avenues. And if you are listening to the signs and the messages that are all around you, I really do think that you'll be able to find different paths, different avenues that can help you align with your purpose in an even bigger way. Don't forget, CLT Freeletics is growing strong and we want you to be a part of it. Come out and join us. It is all ability levels, all interest levels. It's a community. We're here to inspire. We're here to motivate and we're here to give you an opportunity to do it all at the freedom of your own parks and available space that exist in this city. Come join us. Be a part of the movement. Let's create space for the best version of ourselves. We'll see you next week, guys. Welcome back.